All right, folks, thanks for hanging with us here on the Extra. And as we get it started, every Friday, Hometown Hero, brought to you by the folks over at Marigolds. And we got the pleasure of having Shannon on the line. How you doing? Hello, Shannon. Do we have Shannon? Okay. Shannon, do you have us on mute? This is I was in a Zoom call lately. This is like the whole thing that happens throughout the Zoom call. It's like, are you on mute? You there? You're not there? Um, anyway, the folks at uh, Marigolds do this every week. And if you have somebody you want to nominate, hometown hero, feel free to reach out to me personally, Justin Hermes, 719-232-1063. And what we like to do is just have them on, talk a little bit about their career, what they do, and uh, what they're doing now in the community. A lot of people are retired military, and we kind of talk about their duty stations, Um Stuff like that that's fun. And then Gasson, the owner of Marigolds, which has two locations now. They have one north and they have one south. Are we good, Shannon on? Okay, Shannon. Hi. There you are. Did we have you on mute? <laughs> I I think, I don't know, something got disconnected. No, no worries. That's why we, we love technology, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shannon, tell us, a, you have time in the... You know, I got a little background here, Air Force, now Army and some Army Reserves. So kind of explain to us how you got involved in the military and uh, your background. Yeah, so I um, joined the Air Force active duty as a nurse in 2005 and was stationed at Travis Air Force Base. And um, that was during the surge operations in Afghanistan and the spin down in Iraq. And so... Uh, we had an aeromedical evacuation staging unit there, and so I um, ended up working as a critical care transport nurse, um, taking care of troops who were being transported from the theater, mostly back to the West Coast. So what people don't realize is there's a lot of hands that go into the transport system. What you see is um, oftentimes, you know, like the TV show Baghdad ER, where you see kind of the very, the very first responders, um, but it takes a whole team thousands of people to get injured soldiers back so my unit's primary job was getting people who were um we we took care of a lot of people who were kind of minimally injured but couldn't stay in the theater but people there was a lot of our, our patients who were very severely injured um getting them from kind of dc walter reed area over to the west coast to the va polytrauma center in palo alto where they were going to need um you know definitive care, you know, more surgery, stuff like that. So by the time we saw them, they were usually um, a couple days to a couple weeks out from their injury, but trying to get them to a place where they could get a higher level of care than would be available. At the time, the goal was to get an injured um, service member out of the theater within 24 hours. And, and what they found is that if we could do that, the survival rate was about 99%. Wow. I mean, that's unbelievable. And the, you're yeah. right, the support system that goes into it and just having the heart to serve when you're seeing people uh, at their worst, really. I mean, you're helping yeah. people through, you know, one of the most probably traumatic situations in their life. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, um, there's some, you know, just phenomenally profound injuries. Um, but it, like I said, it um, can't be done without the entire crew of thousands of people that make that happen of, you know, non-combatant military service members. So people that are flying the airplanes, techs that are, taking care of the, you know, all the folks that are taking care of the airplanes, manning the airplanes, 
manning the places where the planes land, all the medical people that kind of, it's almost like a relay where the, the service, the injured service member is a very, you know, very precious cargo and we're in that handoff of getting them from place to place to get them to where they're going to be more long-term. And for a lot of those folks, because their injuries are so severe, we're trying to get them back to a place where they're going to be getting that definitive care that's closer to home for them. So that's why we're trying to get where, where our, most of our patients were on the West Coast, stationed on the West Coast, so it's going to be easier for their family members and their units to look after them if they're in a hospital that's near where, they, where they're normally stationed. Yeah, totally makes sense. And then, so you got out of the Air Force, but went in Army Reserves. Explain that transition. Yeah, so I was um, got out of the Air Force. I um, was going to nurse practitioner school through the University of Colorado, and um, I was looking at the Air Force Reserve. I had a bunch of friends in an Army Reserve unit up in Denver, and they said, it's really awesome. You should give it a consideration. And um, the next thing I knew, I was in the Army Reserves as a critical care nurse. And um, kind of the funny story with that is uh, we weren't deployed at the time, so I wasn't really working in my role. So my um, higher-up enlisted folks who were in charge of all of us you know, I was a, a junior officer, so we were kind of like the little ducklings. They thought, well, we've got this Air Force nurse. We're going to put her in charge of a weapons range. And I, the joke was on them because in the Air Force, the joke is that we're kind of the business class. We're good at um, paperwork. So I did all the paperwork. I made sure we had hot meals. We weren't eating MREs. We had um, public health come out and fix the bathrooms. We got hot water in the barracks. Um, and then I had a friend who was in 10 Special Forces group, and we did some paperwork and got got those um, folks out to help my unit with their M16. So for a while, we were the best M16 qualified hospital in the Army. I love it. That is, that so. is, that is great. And now you're still a nurse practitioner, correct? Yeah, I'm a nurse. Pra- yep, I'm a nurse practitioner. I work in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine. Um, my love of that comes from being in the military and having a background. And, you know, obviously a lot of what we saw with our injured um, service members was um, orthopedic trauma. So I, you know, I kind of, when I talk to patients, tell them I've really been working in orthopedics since about 2005. Um, and now I'm able to do that. I work with the Colorado Center of Orthopedic Excellence and uh, we do a lot of care for our community here. We take care of a lot of the schools in town in terms of their sports coverage. And then we are also the official orthopedic medicine provider for Team USA, which is really cool. That's great. Well, still continuing to serve our community and served our country. So Shannon, the owner of Marigolds is going to reach out. You and a guest go up, enjoy a fantastic meal, drinks, dessert, as just a thank you for your service and uh, your continued service to our community. Well, we appreciate that. That's, that's really thoughtful. Thank you very much. Hey, you got it, Shannon. Have a good weekend. Stay warm and thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank you. You too. Have a good one. You got it. All right, folks, another hometown hero brought to you by Marigolds. We're going to have some quick commercial break here, and then we're back with Matt from Arrow Moving and Storage. All right, folks, we are back into it. We have Matt joining us from Arrow Moving and Storage. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Justin. How are we doing? Are you doing good? You staying warm? I am. Beautiful day. The sun is always warm, huh? So. <laughs> Yeah, lovely day. Well, we appreciate you putting some boxes down, putting a pause on the moving to talk with us this morning. Oh, yeah. My (laughs) pleasure. (laughs) So you shared this with me last night. I'm so illiterate with technology. I couldn't figure out my iPhone thing to 
get all this data, but I'm assuming it's data where, where people are moving throughout the U.S. Am I guessing right? Yeah, Justin. So every year, Unigroup Mayflower United sends out a, uh, an annual national mover study data that kind of shows why and where people are moving throughout the United States. And we collect that data through all of, um, like whenever we're moving someone through Mayflower, of course, and um, this gives us where people are going. And it's really interesting. I love to share that with people every year. So what's the data? Where, where are people moving to? Where are people moving out of? What are you seeing? So what we're seeing is um, relocation continues to be driven by factors such as, you know, prices of housing, regional climates, urban planning, and job growth. And where people are going is southern states. And what I personally see the most of um, in, in most consultations I do if someone wants to leave the area, it's a lot of North and South Carolina. It seems that those metropolitan areas there are really attracting more people with jobs and uh, infrastructure, and it's less expensive to live there. And so, so that's that, what I'm seeing a lot of. So that's what you're seeing, the top states people are going to, North Carolina and South Carolina. Yeah, and it goes all the way into Alabama, even some Arkansas, uh, West Virginia, Vermont, those areas too. So the South is getting a big boom, and you're seeing people leaving the the West part of the U.S. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So are people leaving? Do we have more people leave in Colorado than we have coming in? We do right now, 2023, definitely. More outbound than inbound at this time. That's not good. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> so what well, other? What other? Know, I mean, are are we up there in the top ten, or is it like is California seeing more people leave than we are? Or are we kind of leading the pack as outbound people leaving states in the U.S.? I would I wouldn't say that we're leading the pack. I would say that you know California places like that are are more. Um, there, it's definitely more populated than we are here, but in general, the Western states, as they get a little more expensive to live, as we're experiencing, um, and people get into the 55 plus range of age, um, it's just their money goes further in Southern states. You're totally right. I mean, it's uh, when you look at the price for a house down in Alabama, and you look at the price for a house in California, not to mention. The property taxes, um, it, it is a complete difference. And there's been articles even published lately on how the housing market seems to be divided between red and blue states. Um, I know that's, you know, something we see. Um, is that something you guys are seeing in the moving, too, is that there's a little correlation a, 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 with the political divide in the United States? I would say I saw that more in the last election. Okay. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of done its thing since then. But now I I would say it has to be with, you know, if you're 55 plus and you've held on to a home for 20 plus years here, I mean you're the real estate expert, so you know that that's a big payout. And whenever you take that money and you can go buy a home that's you can pay that cash. So now you have the advantage when you go to the south. So that's what I'm seeing the most of. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I've been down in the South. I think it's great. The people are really, really friendly. The only thing that gets me is the, the humidity. I think the humidity yeah. in the summer is yeah. just brutal. 
I think that they realized that uh, later down the road. But, that, <laughs> but, but yes, I am from the South, and humidity, it's a real thing for sure. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, if folks who are listening, the services that Arrow is offering right now, how you can help people with a gap move, possibly where they're moving. They're going, hey, we, we can't move into our house yet. Are we remodeling it? And being able to put things in storage, how you guys can really touch all the bases for a consumer. Okay, yeah. So if anybody out there is moving and, and maybe moving with some of these reasons that we discussed just now, um we do residential moving we also do office and industrial moving but most of the time we could i'm handling people who are doing household goods so if you're looking to move to one of these states or even within town we we offer full pack services or we allow customers to pack themselves by offering them boxes uh, we have a warehouse full of that and materials we offer perm storage options to hold your goods while you, if you need to get out of your house, we'll hold you goods temporarily in our warehouse and then ship it out with a big 53-foot tractor trailer for a later date to get to another state or within this state. Um, or we can go pick it up all in once and, and move you direct and get it done within a week or so. And I think the key is is the flexibility because not every moving company yep. has that. They get on a truck and go, hey, we need to go deliver this, or if we can't, you need to go buy a storage or not go rent a storage unit, and we'll go deliver the product and, hey, see you later, rather than, you know, you may pay a little bit more with Arrow, but you're going to have the flexibility. We all know with real estate, closings get pushed, stuff falls through, and to be able to say, hey, yep. can we make a quick audible, it, it, it's a must in my opinion, because there's a lot of houses that are falling out of contract and you have to have right. somebody who can make a quick audible decision for you. And what I love lately is uh, during COVID, it was a lot hard. Availability was, was tough then, but we have more than ever, it seems, availability to flex. And I'm always there. And what you just said is people's houses falling through. They got to delay the closing, et cetera. We're there to help. We have all these options. And I'm there to always hold people's hands through that process. That's the key, folks. If Matt, how can people get in touch? The website, email, phone number, what's the best way? Aeromoving.net, or you can get me at mlafleur at aeromoving.net, which is my email, or 719-527-0616. There you go. And you guys are locally owned. What would you say, ballpark, how long you've been in business here in the Springs? Mm. I know it's been operating in the, since the 90s. There you go. So about when I was born. What could be better? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Matt, thanks for taking the time to join us. And once again, folks, Arrow Moving and Storage, locally owned. Reach out to them. They can handle anything you need as far as storage, moving. And, uh, Matt, we just appreciate you sharing a little bit of the knowledge on uh, the traffic of the U.S. and where people are moving. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on this morning, Justin. I love to to give that data and information to your audience. Hey, appreciate it. All right, folks, we are going to go into ABC News, and then we are going to be back talking with GOP Chairman of the State and uh, Dave Williams. He's running for U.S. Congress now, so we're going to pick his brain a little bit when we come back from these messages.
Okay, folks, thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to The Extra here on KRDO. We have Dave Williams joining us. He is the current chair of the GOP for the state and uh, also served as a state congressman as well. Dave, thanks for taking the time to join us. You bet. Thanks for having me, Justin. You got it. So tell us, you know, what led to this decision of you announcing to run for, uh, you know, the, the seat that Dave Lamborn is currently in right now? Yeah, I, look, it came as a surprise to everyone. I think Doug Lamborn shocked uh, the entire political world, certainly in uh, El Paso County with his uh, retirement. And, you know, we had a quick decision to make. Ultimately, our decision to run wasn't all that different, you know, from the last time. Uh, I believe that Washington is broken. There are too many say-anything politicians who will make all the promises in the world to their communities, but when they actually get into power, go to Washington, they'll do something different. They'll vote to increase our taxes. They'll vote to increase you know, the spending. They'll take away our freedoms when they think you're not paying t- attention. And that's something that we got to stop. Ultimately, the problem we have in Washington is we have too many politicians who love the power, love the money, and will do whatever they can to get both at our expense. And that's something that we can't tolerate. I, I don't know if your listeners may be familiar with the hit song, you know, Richmond North of Richmond from Oliver Anthony kind of went viral for it, but he said it best. These, these guys in Washington, DC, they just want to have total control. They want to tax your money to no end to where it's going to be worthless. And that's something that we got to stop. We got to start electing true conservative grassroots leaders who are going to serve the interests of, of the people and the community instead of the corrupt power brokers. And that's why I'm running because I want to serve uh, the fifth CD and I want to put an end to the, uh, the corruption and the, and the problems that we're seeing in Washington. Yeah, you're totally right. And a lot of it is career politicians we see on both sides, whether it be Democrat, Republican, and if you win, would there be something you'd think about where saying, hey, this is, you know, I might put some term limits on myself for, um, you know, the future? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't plan on being in Washington for the rest of my life. Um, I don't have a set, you know, term limit or anything like that. But I, I guarantee you, I, I am not interested in being in Washington until, you know, I'm, I'm Nancy Pelosi's age. That's, that's craziness. And that's not how our founders envisioned any of this. Uh, when I was in the state legislature, um, I could have stayed for eight years, but I was only there for six. And I imagine that, you know, there's going to be other things that come along, uh, whether they be in the private or public sector, I, I don't know. But I do not plan on being like Joe Biden, old and decrepit and non-functioning while staying in government. That's not what the people want, and I'm about the people. Yeah, and we see the state kicked off, um, you know, over the last few days here, a lot of topics on, you know, affordable housing. And uh, there's some people who say, hey, you know, we should let the market correct itself instead of getting so involved. You hear things of a first right of refusal to the government if selling a multifamily property. We have talks of rent control. Um, can you just touch a little bit on that? If When you were there, were those talks already underway or is this something that is more recent? I mean, look, the Democrats have been trying to figure out how to make it harder for Coloradans to actually find affordable housing. I know they say the opposite, but their actions speak louder than words. They've been in control for so many years now, and the situation gets worse and worse. We have ever-increasing homelessness rates. We have skyrocketing um, 
cost of living, whether it's with respect to your mortgage payment or your your lease payments, uh, they don't actually want to solve the problem. They want to make it harder, uh, truth be told, because they're sold out to um, they're sold out to the whether it's the environmental lobby, which doesn't want to see more development, or it's uh, or it's uh, people that just don't want or the lobby that doesn't want you to be a homeowner or a property owner. There are a lot of interests in in the capital in Denver that are doing everything they can to make it hard for people to actually live and work and thrive in Colorado. So they're all talk. They they know it's not going to go anywhere. And if they're going to do anything, they're going to make it worse. And if you don't believe me, just look at what they tried to do with Prop HH. They are going to skyrocket uh, property taxes, and they're doing it so that they can take more of your money and spend it on their radical agenda. Yeah, and it's a, a lot of it is a concern with infringement on your property rights, right? There's another bill they're working on um, that says, hey, we're going to tax a VRBO or an Airbnb at a much higher level. And really, it, it discourages people from investing in real estate when you put these barriers to entry into the marketplace. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Again, they do not want Coloradans being property owners. And for those who are currently property owners, they want to make it extremely impossible for you to function, uh, whether it's for your own for your own you know residence where you live, or if you have a second home, or uh, potentially if you're if you own an apartment complex, right? They are making it harder for you to do your job to provide that that housing. If they really cared about providing affordable housing, they would get out of the way, cut the red tape, and allow property owners the ability. Uh, to to function how they function and let the market do what it does best. Yeah, it, it's tough because you see these other cities who have gone in and done rent control, and what happens is property owners go, why am I going to update my house? Why am I going to go in and do paint and carpet and keep it in good shape when the government is telling me how much I can rent it for? So really, we've seen these cities that have put these restrictions in place, and long term, it, it doesn't go over well at all. No, it doesn't. Long, in fact, long term, people vote with their their feet. They move out. They move out of the state. They go to other places where it's more free. This is why, if you, I mean, if you look just nationally, step back for a second, you'll see there's been a mass uh, migration out of California, for example, and into other states. And there's been a huge influx influx of of citizens all across this country going to the state of Florida, for example. It's because they have more freedom and they have more opportunity. Colorado is going down the wrong path, and if we don't do something fast, we're going to end up, you know, looking like San Francisco or Portland or or New York City, and that's not what we want. Yeah, the stats are there. We had Matt on from Arrow Moving and Storage before he came on this segment, and he said South Carolina, North Carolina, people are moving to the south. He said Colorado had more people leaving than it did coming into the state last year, and you think about it and go, this is a beautiful place. Why would we ever have more people leaving than coming into this state? Yeah, well, the answer is it's getting too radical. The Democrats have gone too far to the left, and uh, at the end of the day, people gotta people gotta be able to live and provide for their family. They can't do it when when the government, particularly Democrats, nickel and dime them every step of the way. It's just not going to work. It's not sustainable. And if we really want to get a handle on this, we got to throw the Democrats out of power uh, in 2024. Okay, folks, we are here talking with Dave Williams, GOP uh, chairman and also running for U.S. Congress. And uh, we're going to have a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages.
Okay, folks, thanks for sticking with us. We are talking with Dave Williams. And Dave, there's been a lot of talk of people going, hey, you're the chair of the GOP for the state. This is conflict of interest. You know, when you're running as well, you should step down. A lot of argument back and forth. Um, what do you say to all that noise? Um, mostly everyone who's making those claims are people that just don't like conservatives. They just don't like the grassroots being in charge. They didn't support me when I was chair, and they definitely don't want me in Congress. That's really what it comes down to. The the critics, the the people who are you know really upset about this, they just can't stand the fact that we might have a conservative congressman going. Uh, to represent our community, who's not going to sell out. You know, that's one of the problems we have in Washington. It's not just the Democrats. It's sell-out Republicans who, you know, talk a good game, but they never actually follow through. Um, that's why you're seeing so many, you know, conservative champions gain traction, whether it's Byron Daniels out of uh, Florida or even Matt Gates, uh, They're standing up to the broken system. They're standing up to the swamp. And that's what I represent. Um, truth is, there is no conflict. I'm not the chairman of the 5th Congressional District. I'm the chairman of the state party, and uh, the work that I do really has no overlap with it. Um, you know, and the other thing I would point out is none of these people criticized Congressman Ken Buck. Ken Buck was the chairman of the Colorado Republican Party uh, in 2020, and he also ran for re-election as congressman. And not one of these people criticized that move. This is ultimately comes down. What this ultimately comes down to is the grassroots versus the establishment, and the establishment is throwing a fit because the people of the fifth CD are about to elect a, a grassroots conservative who's going to represent them. Yeah, you are correct. Ken Buck did the exact same thing. There was an article that came out in the Colorado Sun detailing all of that, and it wasn't an issue back then. If you look back, it didn't get really any press. There was no, you know, pushback from it. Uh, But talk a little bit about, you know, this division, right? Because as we look past decades, it seems that the Republicans, the Democrats, it's become extremely more left, extremely more right. And we've lost the the common ground and the common sense when you look at, when, when you look at D.C., yeah, look, I mean, uh, there's a couple things going on. Uh, you know, right right now, you, you do have a battle, I think, for the soul of this country. And it's not right versus left. It's not Republican versus Democrat, necessarily. It's liberty versus versus tyranny. We, we have a corrupt uniparty system in place. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I'm, I'm the chair of the Republican Party, but I can't begin to tell you that there are many Republicans who will work with Democrats in Washington or in Denver uh, to sell out their fellow countrymen for the benefit of themselves or their buddies. Uh, so there's that problem going on. With respect to the you know, Republican Party in the state or even nationally, there's a battle for the soul of the party. Right now there are old guard, traditional establishment Republicans who want to keep and maintain the status quo. Well, the problem with that is that we're, we're going bankrupt. Our kids, our grandchildren, their children are going to suffer if we keep going down the same road. We have $33 trillion in debt, $100 trillion worth of unfunded liabilities, and these guys want to keep um, keep it going. It's not sustainable. It's going to bankrupt us, and we're going to lose our freedom if we don't change quickly. That's why there's America First grassroots conservatives who are rising up and saying no more. We're going to serve the people, and we're not going to serve the corrupt power brokers. And I, I think that's why you're seeing you know, sort of the uh, the division, if you will. That's because we have a fundamental difference of of how and and uh, why this country was 
you know, brought about in the first place. It was always about serving the people. And if we can't do that, then we don't deserve to be in power. Yeah, and I bring up common sense because you can look at you know left, maybe right. I think we could all agree if if a business is in place and a business is running at such a deficit, it it wouldn't survive, right? The board of directors w- w- wouldn't take it, and yet we look at consumer debt is at all time high, and we've gotten to this thing of hey, we can just keep rolling out the debt, and there's going to be no consequences. I think it's gotten a little bit ridiculous when you look at the debt that we've incurred and what we're going to incur if we keep down this track. It's unsustainable. Yeah, I mean, the thing for your listeners to keep in mind is the reason you don't want $33 trillion in debt in government spending or, or even more in unfunded liabilities is because it actually devalues your dollar. It, you, you no longer get to, to have the same purchasing power that you would perhaps a day day ago or a year ago or whatever the case may be. And in that regard, it's a hidden tax. Your dollar is worth less every time the government spends uh, more than it takes in. Um, so when you look at it that way, it shouldn't be a surprise as to why groceries are more expensive, your gas is more expensive, your, you know, everything, your rent, your mortgage, everything that you would need to live gets more expensive the more you allow these clowns in Washington to take your money and give it to the people at the top. Yeah, we it, can't allow that, and that's, that's why I'm running. Yeah, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors because you hear inflation's down, things are fine. You know, you, you hear that from the media, and you how are – I don't talk to anybody who goes, yeah, I'm, I, I can really tell the difference. Prices have gone down. Things are great now. And it, it, I think inflation got so bad that a little bit of relief is what the major media is reporting on now. Yeah, it, it is smoke and mirrors. It's a false narrative. No, no one in their right mind is saying, oh, yeah, things are better. They're not better. They're getting worse. You're not better off uh, today than you were uh, four years ago or two years ago. Things are getting worse and worse. And, you know, the people that are primarily responsible for this right now are Joe Biden and Democrats. But we shouldn't let some of these sellout Republicans off the hook. When you have people like Mitch McConnell, for instance, constantly working with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, then we, we do have to take responsibility. But the best thing we can do is hold them accountable. We don't have to live with this. We can throw these bums out and put in people who are not going to tax us to no end or overspend or take more of our freedom. And that's why I'm running, so I can give the people of this community an option uh, that will actually serve them in Washington instead of the corrupt insiders. Dave, if people want more information on your campaign, what's a good uh, way for them to get in contact? You bet. They can, they can go to my website at daveforcolorado.com. That's D-A-V-E-F-O-R colorado.com. Or you can follow me on social media. My Twitter account is at R-E-P Dave Williams. Again, that's at R-E-P Dave Williams. Great. Dave, thanks for taking the time to join us. You bet. Thanks for having me, Justin. You got it. All right, folks, that's another show in the books. Remember, we start this show with the hometown hero. It's brought to you by Mary Gold's. We live in one of the best countries in the world because of those who've decided to serve us, whether it be in the community, in the military. And if you have somebody who has done an unbelievable job serving you, it may be a police officer, a firefighter, somebody who's going above and beyond, get a hold of us at Cardio. We'd love to have them on the hometown hero and treat them to an unbelievable meal, either at the North Marigolds or the South Marigolds. Enjoy your Friday. You have Tom Martino joining you next.